Hey there, friend. Listen, I want to invite you to join me for an upcoming presentation I'm offering called How to Shift from Willpower to Want Power. If you're tired of feeling like you have the best of intentions with food and weight, only to have it all fall by the wayside by the time your head hits the pillow at night, then this is for you. If you're interested in making permanent weight loss easier and less of a struggle, then this is for you. If you're curious what want power is, which you probably should be, and can't wait to learn how to incorporate it into your journey toward peace and freedom around food, then this is for you. I'll be presenting live twice on Wednesday, May 1st, 2024, at both noon and 7.30 p.m. Central Time Zone. I'll answer your questions live and we'll have a really good time together. But if you can't make either of those days, I'm not going to make you get a replay emailed into your inbox only for it to get lost and never be watched no matter how deeply you want to make time to go through it. Because I mean, honestly, who are we kidding? (laughs) We've all done this, including me. No, instead, we are offering multiple watch parties for several days after the live presentation. So come watch the replay with other doctors and interact in the chat with them and my team. So either way, whether you come live or to a watch party, it will be worth your time for sure. All you have to do is register at katrinaubellmd.com forward slash want power. That's katrinaubellmd.com forward slash W-A-N-T-P-O-W-E-R. See you there. You are listening to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast with Katrina Ubell, MD, episode number 276. Welcome to the Weight Loss for Busy Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Master Certified Life and Weight Loss Coach, Katrina Ubell, MD. This is the podcast where busy doctors like you come to learn how to lose weight for the last time by harnessing the power of your mind. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating and exhaustion and move into freedom around food, you're in the right place. Well, hello there, my friend. How are you today? So glad you're here with me. Thank you for joining me. If you are new to the podcast, then welcome. So glad that you're here. If you are a longer term listener, I'm so glad you're back. I have a really interesting episode. At least I think it's very interesting. Can't wait to share it with you. And you know, for a while now, since I have a book coming out soon, I actually have the cover reveal and some more information about that coming up very soon. So stay tuned. Very exciting. I have been spotlighting periodically different books that I have read and really enjoyed that I want to share with you because there are lots and lots of books out there. A lot of people have put a lot of effort and energy into getting published. It's sometimes hard to know even where to begin. Sometimes even I feel like, oh my gosh, what what to even start with? And this one, maybe a lot of you actually know about this one, but Brene Brown, who a lot of people know about, she's a psychologist who's written several best-selling books. She has a newish book out called Atlas of the Heart, Mapping Meaningful Connection and the Language of Human Experience. And I've really, really been loving this book a ton. And let me explain why. What this book is, is basically a description of 
dozens and dozens of different emotions. Now that may sound very boring to you when I put it that way, but she tells lots of stories. It's actually very research-based and I find it so helpful to understand like what is the difference amongst, you know, different words that we use for emotions. And what she really talks about and the reason that she created this book was because she just found that our vocabulary for describing feelings and emotion is in general, on average, extremely, extremely limited. It actually kind of ties into what we're going to be talking about a little bit later. And so the purpose of this book is to help us to understand the definitions of various words so that we can use them more so that we can stop thinking that, you know, we only ever feel like happy, sad and mad, (laughs) That, that there is a broader array of emotional experiences out there and what the differences are. I just found it super, super interesting. And I just recently discovered on Netflix, I believe she has, I think like a five part series, maybe it's a six part series, where she actually is taking the concepts in the book and bringing them to life kind of speaking to a smaller audience there. I watched the first episode and enjoyed it a lot. So if you're like, look, the book sounds good, I'm never going to read it, then check out the show. I think it's also called like Brene Brown's Atlas of the Heart or something like that. Just if you just type in Brene Brown, you'll you'll find it if you're more of a, a show or a listening kind of a person. I just have thoroughly enjoyed it a lot more than I expected you to be honest. It's got some nice, nice pictures in there. And it's just it's been a really, really nice book for me to read. It's not one that you hunker down and read in a day or two. I've been kind of doing it in the mornings, maybe 1520 minutes, getting through sort of a chapter at a time, or sometimes just sort of a chunk of a chapter and kind of letting it like sink in, you know, there's some real good tidbits and nuggets in there. So highly recommend that one. Okay, today I want to talk to you about a concept called reparenting. And this is something that I've actually been coaching our program members on for really quite some time. We've been talking about it. I've never really addressed it on the podcast. And I thought this might be something to just maybe, you know, less of like teach you everything about it, but more just kind of give you an idea about this as something that exists and something that can be super, super helpful. I find it to be actually really helpful for a lot of people in a lot of ways. So I'm going to give you some more information about it and maybe some examples of how it can be helpful. It's something that you can definitely try out on your own. It's also something that you can do with a therapist, you can do it with a coach. And it's just it can be a really, really useful and healing, very healing process to go through. So I first want to just be uh, clear that there is a form of psychotherapy that's called reparenting. It's kind of controversial, sort of like where the therapist becomes like the parent figure. That is not what I'm referring to here at all. Okay, we're talking about reparenting yourself. It's a process that you can be guided through but you ultimately are doing it with yourself. Initially, when this first came out, it was really sort of geared toward people who had experienced abuse or neglect in their childhood. But I think what's been found over the course of time is that it's actually very helpful for anybody who has current issues, like an adult who has current issues or struggles that are stemming from their childhood. And so I'm going to help you to to understand what that means. I have to say the term can be kind of like woo-woo, frou-frou, like, oh my God, reparenting yourself, give me a break, you know? (laughs) I'm telling you, it's actually something that's really, really useful, really worth checking out, especially for people who overeat or overdrink. So what it really ultimately means is taking on the process of meeting the needs of a younger version of yourself 
those needs when those needs were not met when you were that age. So basically, parents can only parent from their own level of awareness or consciousness or even skill level. So I do want to just, you know, make sure it's clear here that the purpose of this is not to blame our parents. It's not to decide that our parents did a terrible job, you know, to blame them about anything or ruin that any kind of relationship that you have with them. Now, some people will say, yes, the way I was parented was horrible and I had a terrible upbringing. Okay, that's, you know, that that is fine. That's valid. But there are a lot of people who actually resist that saying, you know what, my parents are wonderful people. And I really had a great childhood. So if I do this reparenting work, am I essentially saying that my parents did a bad job? And that's not what we're saying at all. But for anybody who has children, you will know what I mean when I say that when we're kids, we think that our parents like are like extra special and, you know, know how to be parents. At least a lot of us feel that way. And then you become a parent and you realize, oh my gosh, they were just completely winging it. <laughs> like literally making it up as they go along, even if they read, you know, any parenting books or whatever. I mean, you know, parenting books are really a relatively new thing. So, you know, just the idea of even parenting as like a verb is a very, very new concept. It's really something where you're just trying to do the best you can with the skills and tools you have and resources at your disposal in the moment. And also when you're a parent, or even if you've ever like babysat or taken care of any nieces or nephews or friends, kids, you know, it's really interesting how sometimes you can actually really rise to the challenge. I remember having my first child and and being so surprised at how patient I could be with him. I just never really considered myself particularly patient and being so surprised that I could do that. But on the flip side, sometimes we're really surprised at the behavior that can come out of us, even when we really don't want it to be coming out of us. And so when we're kids, we're on the receiving end of that. And so I just want to let you know that first of all, there it's never too late to reparent yourself. Okay, so some people will be like, well, you know, if I'm 50 or 60 or older, like, I mean, that ship has sailed, do I really need to go back to my childhood? Like a lot of people are resistant to doing that. And this, again, doesn't mean that we're like reliving your entire childhood. I'll, I'll kind of give you some ideas of when this can be really useful. But it's never too late to do that. And secondly, it can be actually really, really useful as a tool to help you create some forward movement in areas where you feel like you've been stuck for a really long time. So if you feel like, you know what, you're just like circling back on the same issue again and again, and you're like, what? is the deal here? Like, what is it with me in this thing? Like, I've done all this work, I've, you know, tried approaching it from these different ways, and it's not really working. It really could be some reparenting that might be the thing that really gets that ball rolling for you again. So essentially, what it comes down to is that if you had an experience, which I think all of us have had at least, you know, once or several times as a childhood, if not many, many times, if you had an experience as a child where the adults in your life did not meet you emotionally the way you would have liked them to, that can be an opportunity for reparenting. Okay. So what I want to offer, like the way I want to kind of explain this to you is like where this comes up sometimes with clients is they will say, you know, I just recently had this experience where I really felt a certain way. So actually something that just came up with one of my lovely clients, she said that she was going on a family vacation. And as she was planning on going, she was having a lot of feelings that she didn't belong 
that she was going to be forgotten about, basically like people like rejection in advance, like people didn't want her to be there, even though there really was no evidence that that was the case. And she said she was having so much anxiety about it. And that this was a recurring thing. And so she had this trip coming up and she was like, I just don't want to feel so anxious. And she could logically see like this doesn't even really make a lot of sense, yet it was how she was feeling. And so right away, this was like, that was kind of a trigger for me to go, hmm, I wonder when this began. If this is a recurrent thing, I wonder what kind of set off this process. And so I asked her about that. And she shared that there had been a group kind of like camping trip when she was young, that she was going to be going on. And it was kind of like who was pairing off and who was going with whose car and all these different things. And everybody got in the cars and she didn't know which car to get into and they left without her. And it didn't take long for them to figure it out and they came back. But you can imagine during that short period of time, how she felt as a young girl, basically being forgotten about and abandoned, you know, and making that mean like, they don't care about me. I don't belong here. And then she went through the rest of the trip, like just pretending like nothing had really happened, but deep down really hurting emotionally because of this. And so, you know, there's no sense in spending any time thinking, well, the adults should have anticipated and should have checked in with her more. I mean, you know what, there's like a bunch of parents taking these kids on a camping trip. I mean, you know what I mean? Like they were for sure doing the best that they could. And maybe outwardly, she was really good at pretending like everything was fine. But inside she was hurting. That little girl was not getting, wasn't being met emotionally the way she needed to be by the adults in her life and the adults that were available. And so that can set into motion this idea that like, I'm forgettable, people won't remember me, I don't belong. And your brain really starts looking for evidence of this. And the thing about this is the purpose of that as a child was like to keep her safe. You know, you got to make sure that you belong so people don't forget you because you could be left in the wilderness somewhere, right? Like as a child, it makes so much sense to have those fears and those worries, because they really can keep you safe and alive. But as an adult, of course, she's completely safe, she's completely capable of taking care of herself. Yet she's still having that experience. So we can, you know, talk to her, offer her new thoughts, help her to process that emotion. But reparenting, like going to the root of that issue and reparenting that can be super, super healing. Another time that this can be so helpful is if you have a situation where as a child, there was some scenario where something happened and then you figured out that food made you feel better. Okay. So let's say you were really lonely. Maybe you were a latchkey kid. I don't even know if they use that term anymore. I don't think they do. But (laughs) what a latchkey kid means is that your parents worked or you're, you know, the parent you lived with worked. And so you came home from school by yourself, let yourself in the house by yourself. And then you were there on your own until your parent or parents came home from work. So you had, you know, a few hours at home by yourself. And so say you were a latchkey kid and you would come home and you would feel really, really lonely. And you figured out as an away, as a way to take care of yourself emotionally, since there were no adults there, you figured out that if you went to the snack cabinet and started started eating snacks, and maybe watching TV while you did it, that that reduced that feeling of loneliness that you felt, or maybe it was boredom, or maybe it was even fear, maybe you felt uncomfortable being in your home by yourself. 
And by eating, you figured out that you could distract yourself from that way that you were feeling, right? And then your your parent would come home and like you'd move forward and everything was fine. So you can imagine like that that was an adaptive process when you were a child, right? You weren't getting your emotional needs met and you figured out a way to do it. It's like pretty smart. If you think about it, like go you. But as an adult, when you continue taking part in that behavior, it's now considered maladaptive. And that's where we want to start looking at, like, if you're like, I just don't know why when I'm in the house by myself, I just like, I'm just restless until I start eating something. Like, what is that? I know I don't need the food. I know I'm not hungry. I'm trying to feel the urge to eat, but I still just want to eat. Well, it can be helpful to recognize, you know, I started this pattern when I was home by myself. And when I was home by myself, you know, I was really kind of scared and I was bored and I was lonely and I wished that I had someone there with me. And the next best thing was turning on after school television and eating a snack. And that's the way I figured out to take care of myself. Like, okay, so, so good to know. So when you are going through this process of reparenting yourself, it's allowing yourself, you know, like that little younger version of you to feel seen and heard and loved. And then you're going to give yourself that love and attention that you wanted from the adults around you that you wished you could have had. Again, this is not assigning blame or saying that they did anything wrong. It's just not what you needed. And you're instead offering yourself that. So essentially, you now like the mature version of you now is becoming the parent to your younger self that you never had or that you wished you had had. And so that relationship is actually really, really important. You know, your childhood experiences influence us, you know, they influence us so much. They influence our self-image, the way we perceive ourselves, our self-esteem, our confidence, our self-worth, and also how you learn or don't learn to cope with difficult feelings, difficult emotions, difficult situations, when a child, that's that was a result of how you were parented. Like when you were a child, you were taught or not taught how to deal with those things. Okay. So going back to those adaptive behaviors that you figured out, they were totally useful in you figuring out how to meet your needs when you were a child. But they, like I said, they can be considered pretty maladaptive once you're older. So it's essentially like meeting your needs is also a way of soothing yourself, a way of taking good care of yourself, of helping yourself feel, you know, valued and taken care of. But the thing is that just because you soothe yourself in that way doesn't mean that it's healthier, that it actually works, right? Like we could say like, oh yeah, you soothe yourself with three glasses of wine every evening. I mean, does it work? I mean, I guess in the short term, it numbs you out, but does it actually create anything positive for you in your life? Does it actually help to prevent stress in the future? Does it actually help you to process that stress? Is it healthy for you? You know, like emotionally healthy for you. And then of course we can argue from a physical standpoint as well maybe not so much. So what reparenting does is it helps you to learn to soothe yourself in a healthy and effective manner. And again, this is, you know, very likely could be something that that your parents just didn't know, they didn't know to offer to you. It just, it's again, nobody's fault. Okay. So 
If you look up this concept, there's actually tons and tons of information regarding this. And I'm just going to focus in on sort of the one segment of it that I think is going to be the most helpful to you. If this is something you want to take a deeper dive into, of course, you're welcome to do that. But what the process is that I take people through, or one of the processes is like, for instance, in this storyline where where the the young girl was left behind when everyone was getting in the cars, what I recommend doing, and this is just one way of doing it, is to envision or reconnect to that younger version of yourself. So, you know, say she's nine years old, right? So you envision yourself at nine years old. You know, if if it's helpful to look at a picture of yourself around that age, maybe that's helpful. It's some people do have a hard time visualizing. Maybe you can just even close your eyes and think about what it felt like to be nine years old or kind of, you know, what it felt like to be you around that time of your life and just acknowledge them. Like even in your mind, like, you know, just one example would be like envisioning yourself, you know, in third grade, you know, running around at recess on the playground and, you know, in your mind's eye, just kind of like witnessing yourself that little version of you running around, playing, going on the swings, having the best time, like just just kind of connect with that child version of yourself and acknowledge them. And then you can let them know that you're there, right? That you're there to support them. One way, another way to get in touch with that version of yourself is to have that version of you, like so in this example, that nine-year-old little girl, write out what it was like for her to have that experience of being left behind. You know, just and and you're just writing and, and it's really, really important that you're not judging it or thinking that this is stupid or whatever. Like just try to suspend all of that disbelief and just go into if she could have had a voice back then, if someone really knew what was going on for her, what would she say? What was really going on for her? And you just write that all out. After you see all of that, I mean, as it comes up, there might be some emotions, there might be some tears, there might be some other things to work through. And just, you know, allow that as much as you can. If anything, it helps you to just understand where you were in your life emotionally when you started this maladaptive process, which was adaptive at the time, right? Just understanding what was really fueling it in the first place. You want to really be treating yourself with love and kindness and respect while you're doing this, okay? Then what you want to do is offer that younger version of you what you wish the adults around you had given you. So that could be writing back, to, you know, to the that girl, right? Like she's written you through her has written everything that was going on for her. And then the now current present mature adult version of you responds back. I'm so sorry that happens like responding back the way that you wish you had been responded to. Okay, this is, can be extremely healing. Some people find that, especially if they're really good visualizers, that they can literally visualize, you know, talking to that younger version of themselves and saying all of these things, 
or, you know, putting them on their lap and giving them just like a huge hug and whispering in their ear. That's an option as well. I personally am not super great um, with visualizing stuff like this. I kind of feel like I'm in the middle. It's not something I super feel really, really good about doing, but it's not like I can't do it. So I think there's, you just have to know and try Know yourself, try different things, see what really kind of resonates. And it may be different in different situations, different things that you're dealing with. What's so great about this too, that I think is, I mean, for sure, there are times when we need to be talking about things and part of healing trauma is is telling other people, part of healing the shame is not hiding about it anymore. But I do think that sometimes, you know, overall, it's like can be a relatively minor thing, but it still hurt, you know? And sometimes I think it can be helpful or at least a good first step for us to be able to have this just with ourselves. Like we don't have to have to necessarily share it with somebody else or, you know, bring it out into the open in that sense. Like it just can be like this inner connection, this inner recognition of that pain that was, and then offering that love and kindness and whatever emotional response that we wish we'd had, like offering that in exchange. Now, sometimes we find that there's this harsh inner critic in us too, right? That's just like, you know, every time we think about that little version of ourselves, that inner critic's like, oh, that's so stupid. She made such, you know, why was she upset about that? She made such stupid decisions. Some of us have that real active inner critic voice. And so one thing to always consider is, would you speak to any child in that way? Would you say those words to any child. And, and, you know, I certainly hope that the answer would be no, (laughs) when we can understand how cruel that inner critic voice can be, we can work to offer ourselves that love and affection and attention that we really do want. Now, dealing with the inner critic, that could be a whole other podcast episode. (laughs) It's outside of the scope of this one. But ultimately, What we're working on here is learning for ourselves now what our parents were not able to teach us, you know, whether they weren't available, they didn't know about it, whatever it was. So this can be often, so often, right, how to feel and process emotions. If our parents didn't know how to do that, how are they supposed to teach us? (laughs) right? (laughs) And so that's a big part of this is recognizing there are those old hurts. And it's very possible that you just stuffed them down, didn't let anybody know, or were told that they weren't valid or important or, you know, worth crying over. And so they've all been stuffed down are still there waiting, you know, and so much of our healing comes from actually processing those emotions. I always love that, you know, that phrase, like there's no sense crying over spilled milk. Like sometimes there is sense in crying over spilled milk. Like there really is sometimes. And I think I've shared on on here before, like, you know, I, with my oldest son, who's 16, I mean, for the first 10 years of his life, I would spend a lot of time talking him out of his emotions, talking him out of crying. And now with my younger kids with, you know, what I know so much more of, I mean, the minute I see that lip quivering, I'm like, come here here, give them a hug, let it out, let out those emotions, just let it out. It's okay to cry. Just let that move through you. Like it's just a completely different approach because I know so much better I can offer that. And so of course, if you do have children or you're responsible for children or influential on children, of course, please do not beat yourself up for what you didn't know in the past, right? It's always, always, always the right time to, you know, learn for yourself how to better approach yourself. And then you can start to offer that to your children as well. Children 
are so resilient and so adaptable. I think that really even later in their their lives, they still can get significant benefit out of us doing this work for ourselves. Okay, so then you also want to practice offering yourself encouragement, that kind word, you know, that unconditional love that you wished you had. Maybe you knew, you knew your parents loved you, but you just didn't really feel it. It just didn't really come through. Or you're like, no, I know they love me, but only if I'm this version of me. If I really let them know exactly who I was, or if I really told them what I really wanted, then I'm afraid they wouldn't love me. Well, that's conditional love, right? And so we want to offer ourselves unconditional love. No matter what you do, what you say, who you are, I love you. Okay? We want to practice being our biggest cheerleader, our biggest champion. No matter what we do, we still just think we're great. Okay? And then another element of this can be learning to create healthy boundaries and then to enforce them. And that can be with, you know, really anybody else in our lives, but sometimes boundaries even with ourselves, right? It's like, what are you okay with? What are you not okay with? And how are you going to enforce those? How are you going to make sure that those boundaries are kept? And I think that is one of the most important things. Actually, it was even in that Brene Brown Atlas of the Heart book. I don't have it pulled up right now off the top of my head, but she basically talks about some research that was done asking, you know, tons of you know, various amazing like healers and therapists and, you know, you know, monks and like amazing, amazing people who just give and give and give and give like what makes it so that they can continue giving so freely and not burn out. And they were shocked to find out that the answer, the common answer was boundaries, right? Like giving when it's time to give, when you are consenting (laughs) to the giving, and being really clear about when it's not time for you to be giving and not being coerced into giving without your consent. Really important when you think about so many doctors have so many issues with boundaries, especially with their phones now. And that may be you too, right? Where some of your patients have your cell phone number and then they're texting and whatever, and it can be very intrusive. You know, and maybe you don't want to set that boundary and that's fine, but I've coached many, many people who want to set a boundary. (laughs) They don't want it to be the way it is. And they want there to be some improvement on that. And it can be very uncomfortable at first to change that boundary. Because of course, you have a boundary. It's just one that you know, you either don't enforce or is, you know, extremely flexible. And so it's uncomfortable at first, but then it's so much better, so much better for them and for you afterward. So because often that that extreme flexibility or that extreme availability that comes from how we felt we needed to be as children to be loved, to be accepted, to be safe, to have our needs met. So I think that this is just a really awesome tool to kind of pepper in. Like I said, we use this within our coaching program within Weight Loss for Doctors Only all the time. And so this is just a a brief introduction to it. You can give it a try for yourself if you'd like to. Of course, we would love to help you with it as well the next time that we are open for enrollment. All right. With that, I will leave you for the rest of the week. I hope you have a great, 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 enjoyable week and sending you tons of love. Because you know what? I know that little that little version of you in there, he or she just needs, just needs a squeeze. And I'm sending that to you now. All right. Love you very much. Have a great week. And I'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. Ready to start making progress on your weight loss goals? 
For lots of free help, go to katrinaubellmd.com and click on free resources. Thank you.